Welcome to A View from City Hall. This is Chad McLeod, one of your Lakeland City Commissioners. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. I'll be covering the meeting we had on Monday night, April 19th, as well as the budget workshop that we had on Tuesday of this week. And so there was a lot that was discussed in in both of those. And I'll kind of move through some of those items pretty quickly today because uh, I have an interview on this episode. And I haven't had an interview in a while, but I've, I've been saying for a number of episodes that I want to bring in more interviews from city staff and different people throughout Lakeland uh, to come onto this podcast. And so I'm excited today to have our city manager, Sean Schraus, come in on the podcast. So stay tuned because I'm going to talk to him about some of the things that are happening right now at City Hall, his vision for our city, some of the things you might not know about his story and his background. So it's going to be a fun time having Sean here. Talking about the meeting on Monday night, and I'll hit the highlights. We always start off the meetings with recognition and sometimes presentations from different departments. And I, I think it's fun. I think for me as a new commissioner, it's it's nice to see some of the programs, the details, the things that happen within the city that you just don't see every day. And we had the police canine team, the officers and their dogs at the meeting. And it was interesting because I was pulling into City Hall. I was right before three o'clock and I usually get there earlier, but we had several things going on with kids that day. We had a car in the shop. And so I was trying to get back to City Hall in time for the meeting. And the canine squad was in the parking lot with the dogs and so it it was neat to see them all together and I had forgotten that they were going to be coming into the chambers and so they did It, it was great it was great to recognize that team and just to hear about the different things that they're involved in and how they are a critical part of the police force and and I know we we know that and you see canine teams and and the dogs out and about, but to see the entire team there at the city commission meeting was uh, neat. It's, of course, always fun when you have dogs come to your commission meeting, and they were extremely well-behaved to stand up on the stage as we recognized them, and the police chief, uh, Chief Garcia, shared some comments about their work, and we applauded, and the dogs, for the most part, I think there was one that jumped up kind of Uh, on the edge of the dais, not actually jumped up onto it, but just put its paws up there. But um, for the most part, I was so impressed at how they handled the crowd noise and and everything in in the room. And I know they're trained to do that. I was sitting there thinking I'd I'd love to have uh, one of those trainers or one of the the officers come work with my dog for a a little bit. But it was great. It was a great recognition. Uh, We also had uh, an overview of the uh, school resource officer program that the police department runs and and had a number of school resource officers who were at the meeting and being able to recognize them. uh, That was great. And and hearing more about their role and the work that they do throughout our schools. And there's so much that's involved in that position. And it's a it's a big part of school safety here in Polk County and beyond. So uh, that that was a fun way to start the meeting for sure. It, It was a long meeting. We We've had some longer meetings recently, but this one went uh, well past eight o'clock and we started at three in the afternoon. That That's one change that we officially voted on Monday was to change the time of our commission meetings back to 9 a.m. And I say back to 9 a.m. because that is the time in years past when the commission met. Not since I've been uh, on the commission. It, it's always been at three o'clock in the afternoon. And, I, and there was a, a thought that maybe moving it later in the day would allow more people to participate, more 
people from you know our residents who want to attend meetings or interested in an issue or just want to attend that they would not have to take as much time off work that it's closer to uh, the evening, but we, we really haven't seen that, I don't think. I think you see people who, if they want to attend a meeting, they make time for it. They still have to take off work many times uh, in the afternoon. And and for some people, afternoons are hard. I know for uh, parents and, and with kids in school and after school activities and sports and all that, afternoons are not uh, any easier than the morning. And so there was a, a move to, uh, let's put it back to 9 a.m. And, and part of that, when we have these longer meetings that go into the evening and, and some have gone well into the night, that by starting at 9 a.m., it gives us more buffer throughout the day. And I fully support that. I think it, it makes sense uh, to start earlier in the day. And then when the, the meetings go longer, you know, we've got more time and and uh, don't feel like we're maybe trying to rush through things or, or get out of there quickly. And we certainly want to keep an eye on citizen participation and does this work for people to be part of the process because we want that, we encourage that. And there are uh, many people who watch the meetings. Some of you out there listening probably don't. I, I know that when I hear from people who listen to this podcast, a lot of times they uh, comment that, hey, I don't watch the meetings or I'm not you know, tuned into everything that's coming out of City Hall, but I, I like this podcast because it kind of hits the highlights. And and so um, I think that's what we see. We Folks who are really engaged or have an issue that relates to their neighborhood or their business or, or an issue that's important to them, they, they show up and make the time to be there. And, and that's an important part of the process. But we officially voted uh, that is required for us to approve that uh, as an ordinance, the start time for our commission meetings. And so over the summer, I believe it's in June, when we will start uh, meeting at 9 a.m. But this meeting, it went longer. And uh, a large part of that was because of the uh, appeal of the cell phone tower zoning decision that was denied uh, earlier, um, I guess that was in December of 2020. It was denied by the Planning and Zoning Board, and part of our process as a city allows for someone who has applied for a zoning change or an application that is, if it's denied by the Planning and Zoning Board, they have a window of time where, where they can appeal and come before the city commission, and that's what we were seeing on Monday night. So this cell phone tower uh, denial and the proposed location was off of Hardin Boulevard, south of Ariana, uh, on the property of the the dry cleaner uh, business that is it's directly south of Lakeland Christian School. And I have said before on on the podcast that these are interesting cases that come before us uh, when it when it relates to zoning request and changes that we are acting as a quasi judicial branch and we're this is a public testimony and we're to take into consideration uh, the testimony the evidence that that we hear presented and and. Monday night, what we were looking at was, did the Planning and Zoning Board make a mistake? Did they you know, not apply the Land Development Code or a comprehensive plan? Did they do something that we found as a commission that that's in error? And, and you know, we had some options. If we did, we could send it back to Planning and Zoning to reconsider. We could overturn their decision, uh, or we could affirm their decision. Uh, in this case, we decided uh, it was unanimous to uh, affirm the Planning and Zoning Board's denial of this cell phone tower. Uh, the Land Development Code requires certain, they're called setbacks for cell phone towers, so they have to be a certain distance away from other properties, residences, etc. Now, you can certainly, there are cities, and, and maybe we've done this in the past, where you give what's called a conditional use. So you uh, say, even though the code says this, we're going to allow it in this case, even though maybe it's closer to uh, another property, a neighborhood, a, a residence, than uh, it calls for in the code. Uh, the the 
to me, interesting part about this is that the attorney uh, for the the company and and Verizon is the I think the overall company that would have been uh, putting uh, their equipment on this tower. They were arguing that the Planning and Zoning Board violated the Federal Telecommunications Act of 1996 um, because they have a significant gap in coverage in that area of the city, as they um, claimed, uh, you know, at, at both hearings before Planning and Zoning and before us as a commission. And uh, you know, as I read through the appeal, I, and I'm only speaking for me, but I, the appeal was uh, given to us before the meeting. It was a, it was a written appeal, and, and it was very hard for me to make a determination. Did the decision of our, our zoning board to uh, uphold our land development code and say, no, this doesn't comply, it's too close to these other, other properties, and um, did that decision violate federal law? I didn't feel like I was able to make that determination. I think that is, it was an interesting argument from the applicant, and I see some of the merits behind the argument itself. Um, but I think it's a question for the courts. And when I looked at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which you know uh, Florida is under, they have not issued an opinion on whether a coverage gap uh, qualifies as a reason that a city has to allow a tower to be placed in a certain location, even if it uh, is too close to other other properties as uh, specified by their land development code. And so I, you know, the, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals has been silent on this. There's some other cases floating around uh, in lower courts that maybe support uh, the position, uh, you know, of the applicant who was arguing uh, before us the other night. But I, I was not certain on that by any means. And so I, my uh, decision and my vote was to, to affirm the planning and zoning's decision. And if it ends up in a court, uh, then maybe there will be more clarification on that. And I think, you know, cell phone towers in general, just the, the discussion in our city as we grow, as any city grows, we will have other cell phone tower applications coming before us. And we certainly want to balance. We want to be able to have wireless capabilities and technology, but have these towers in a place that uh, that conform to the area, that fit with the character of the area, that, uh, you know, there's there's that uh, balance between the two. And at times there's tension between the two. And I think, you know, we'll probably see that again. So that was that was a long item um, uh, that, that we talked about and, and listened, spent a lot of time listening to the appeal Monday night. Another item that I think kind of flies under the radar for a lot of citizens is the Polk Regional Water Cooperative. We've been talking about it a lot more because there have there has been more activity from that water cooperative. And that is a group of cities and Polk County from our county who we are trying to, to form a regional approach to water needs for the region. The water cooperative was formed years ago, but it it in when it's functioning, the way it's designed, it is for all of our cities to come together in the county, working with the county as an entity uh, to have a regional approach, to look at what are the future needs for water for our communities, not necessarily now or even five, 10 years from now, but well beyond that. And and starting to recognize that you know, water is, is a finite resource in many ways. And so starting to look for alternative sources of water than what we have typically used in the past. And, and there was an item where we as a city agreed to participate. There are uh, two projects right now that have been identified as alternative water sources one in southeast Polk County and one uh, in, in the western part of the county. And that is the one that we would participate in on the largest scale. The other one, uh, I think we have a very, very small participation level, but this um, one in the western part of the county is called the West Polk Wellfield. And uh, it hasn't been developed yet. And, and at this stage, it is putting in place an agreement among the cities that want to be able to participate and one day draw water from this wellfield. 
to, to put an agreement in place and to start planning the planning phase. This will take multiple years to, to get through the planning and then eventually a construction phase and uh, the funding for that and how we're going to accomplish it. And, and there are points throughout the process where any city can say, I no longer want to participate. That was a big deal. That was part of negotiations and discussions at, among the cities at the Water Cooperative. I, I'm the backup for the water cooperative. So Mayor Mutz is our primary representative from the city of Lakeland, uh, and I am the alternate when he cannot attend, or sometimes I just uh, attend just to be uh, current on what's happening with the water cooperative. So we approved moving forward with our participation as a city in that West Polk well field and getting plans together and, and working through engineering and design in the coming years um, to hopefully, you know, get in a position where we can participate in that that project as an alternative water source for our city. As we know, we're growing and we will need uh, additional quantities of water into the future. So I'm always happy to chat more about that. I think it's a complex topic. It's one that's tough. I could spend a whole episode on the podcast. I don't know if people want to listen to to you know, a podcast just about water um, in the West Polk well field, but uh, it, it was a, a significant item that we voted on. We also, so moving past Monday night, um, on Tuesday of this week, we had our budget workshop where we are beginning the budget process. Now, the budget for fiscal year 22 will not be finalized until September, but we begin now talking about shaping that budget and what we want to go into it. And the purpose of this workshop was really for us to give our city management staff the opportunity to hear from us on our priorities, on different topics that we would say as city staff, as you're putting a budget together, these are the things that are most important to us right now or things in the future that we want to keep an eye on. And so I'll talk to Sean about this a little bit in a second, but he called it a a messy process at times. Uh, Dr. Craig Collins from Southeastern University, who was leading us, uh, called it organic. And either of those two, I think, is appropriate. And we went through as commissioners and ranked different items of importance. And then we put all of those into a spreadsheet or staff did, and, and it uh, the result was a final ranking of items of things that we want to see prioritized in this year's budget, uh, if possible, or maybe on into the future, knowing that there were 34 items that we were ranking and knowing that you cannot address 34 items in one budget cycle. You just can't. There's not enough money. There's not enough. Some of these are longer range initiatives, but uh, it was great discussion. I loved being able to hear from my colleagues on their vision, their priorities, uh, things that we want to consider and advocate for in terms of funding. And so there were a number of things that we talked about during that budget session. Uh, we talked about you know, continuing downtown redevelopment and revitalization, uh, different parts of that. We talked about the RP Funding Center. How do we reduce the subsidy, as it's called, the amount of money that the city puts into the RP Funding Center from our general fund. And and that's an important fund. And, and we put, right now, it's about $5 million a year into the RP Funding Center. And so it's a priority of this commission. How do we reduce that? How do we bring that down um, in into the future and make the RP Funding Center something that's more more sustainable, something that is not costing the taxpayer as much money as it is today? I think that's a, that's a priority for sure. Affordable housing was one that um, was a high priority, and, and those initiatives that we've been doing in the past to continue those. Uh, we talked about putting back some of the monies that were, uh, we called it deappropriation. So some things that we had earmarked some money for last year got pulled out of the budget uh, as we didn't know what the COVID environment and the impacts would be to city finances. Things like helping to bring a commercial airline uh, to the Lakeland Airport, and, and we had 
We want to put some of those monies back, money back into our catalyst plan for downtown. And uh, that allows us to be able to work with developers and different companies that want to come in and help revitalize buildings and parts of downtown. Uh, and, and we can offer certain incentives if we have money available for that. So it was a range of topics. But I won't go into all of those items right now. I want to get to Sean Schraus, our city manager, as a, as a guest on the podcast. I'm excited to have him with me today. Sean, welcome to A View from City Hall. I appreciate you being here today. You're the second guest I've had on the podcast. And the first guest was Tony Delgado. So you're carrying that theme as city managers coming in to chat with me. I really appreciate it because I know you have a lot going on. So thanks for taking time out to come and and be on the podcast. I appreciate the opportunity and kind of like the position as a city manager now filling the big shoes left behind from Tony Delgado. I guess that also carries over to this podcast. Yeah, it was fun with Tony here. You know, he was getting ready to retire. So he he only had a couple of weeks left and it was a good time, I think, for him to reflect. And you're certainly in a different position as you're coming in. You've been on the job since the end of last year. And we have hit the ground running. I had somebody this afternoon say, hey, how are things going with the city? And that's usually the question that I get. I don't know if it's similar for you when you're out in the community. And it depends on how much time the person has, you know, when I give an answer, you know, just to go through the different things that that we have on our plate. There's always a lot. Um, What would you say is your favorite part of being city manager uh, for the city of Lakeland? What do you like best? I think for me, um, and and I'm I'm a little unique. I think in the in the fact that I'm from Lakeland. Yeah, I was born and raised, you know, in Lakeland. Uh, also, uh, Auburndale as well. Um, that that sometimes confuses people who know me because I was born in Lakeland. I lived in Lakeland uh, and went to um, Kathleen Elementary until the second grade. And when my parents divorced, my mother went back to Auburndale, where her family was from. My father stayed in the North Lakeland area where the Shirouses have been since the 1860s. And so I really grew up in in both of those communities. And so having the opportunity to have worked in Auburndale and served there for 11 years, and now, you know, five years uh, serving Lakeland um, with, with, you know, now uh, almost six months as the city manager, I, I think what I enjoy the most is, is just that I, 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 you know, the, the people that I'm serving are my friends and neighbors and they have been my friends and neighbors for my whole life. And so there's just, I think an added, um, level of, of, um, of satisfaction for me every time something good happens. Um, because it, it's a community that I didn't just, you know, I didn't just move in here for the position of city manager. I've, I've already, you know, been here my whole life and, and, and plan and hope to be here for the rest of my life. And so just that level of satisfaction, just being a lover of Lakeland, um, is, is something I enjoy. And then I've got the, uh, the great opportunity to work with just some of the best of the best in local government. And so uh, the staff that I work with, I would put them up against anyone. And so again, every time we have a success or a win to share that, you know, with that staff and knowing that they put their blood, sweat, and tears into all of those efforts is just a, a huge reward for me and probably my favorite part of the job. Sure. Yeah. That's it. when I came onto the commission and got into now last year we all know was different in terms of circumstances and COVID and everything we were dealing with but at the same time we still had the normal operations of the city to run and you quickly realize how much goes into a city the size of Lakeland the operations and and when people ask me my son my oldest son who's about to be eight the other day I uh, one of the meetings, I came home after the meeting and he said, dad, what's, what's your favorite part about being a commissioner? And so you try to 
break it down so a, an eight-year-old can understand some of the things that we're talking about, or he'll say, what did you talk about, you know, at the, the city commission meeting tonight? But um, I told him, I said, I, I really think it's a unique position to, to see, to get an inside look at everything that goes on within the city and how involved it is. And you have everything from public safety to a, an electric utility, the airport, um, public works, water. There's all, all of these different departments that have to keep running. And, and so to see that, and, and I oftentimes wish that, that everyone could see it the way that the commission does, to have that just a, a season to be able to see that. What are some of the things that you feel like you wish more people knew about city operations? Um, I, just, I think, exactly some of the things you touched on, the complexities of it. It, it is it is everything, you know, from the, the work that our sanitation crews do, you know, to the very technical parts of engineering that some of our folks in, you know, traffic ops and in Lakeland Electric, you know, do. It's, it runs the, the gamut. It's, it's a huge spectrum of, of activity. And, and we're so unique in that. And I sometimes wonder if, if our citizens and our customers fully realize how unique we are in Lakeland. Um, for a city of our size, especially, you know, when you look at it in terms of populations, all of the resources and assets that the city has, you know, everything from a major league baseball stadium to an airport, to an electric utility, you know, to a water and wastewater utility, you know, to a civic center. Um, right. uh, we, we are just very unique for a city of, of our size. And I, and I get the benefit of, you know, when I go to some of the conferences with my, you know, professional associations, Lakeland is looked at in the Southeast as that, mm. as being so unique for all of those assets and and all of the different operations you know that that we provide and and so um and so we're we're very unique and it's just it's just that wide range that large spectrum of of services that we provide and work that gets done and so when I talk about even my position as the city manager you know it is very much a general manager generalist position because there's no way one person could be right. you know versed and well versed in in all of the different areas that um that our city of lakeland organization works in and so you know we have those specialists we have those technicians within each of the different varying you know departments and divisions of the city um and, and it makes it fun though because it's something different every day. No, no two days for me are alike. Yeah. It, it is different every day. And so that keeps me motivated and, and keeps me focused and, uh, and interested, interested in, you know, the operations we're performing. Is there something that you would say is the hardest part of the job as city managers or something that, you know, for, for those of us, even as commissioners, we see a piece of your job, but we're not with you every day. You're probably thankful for that, that we're, <laughs> we're not in your office every day. But what, what's the hardest part of a job, the job of being a city manager? I, I would say for me, uh, what's been the hardest, uh, I, I enjoy negotiations mm. and the art of a negotiation is, is something that, that I've always enjoyed. But in, in Lakeland, with, with having you know, collective bargaining units and members, um, we're oftentimes then negotiating with our own staff, with our within our own family, and um, and so that that can be difficult, sure. and and not everybody uh, is privy, you know, to all of the backstory to to some of the things that occur or the reasoning 
behind the way sometimes that seems to be going uh, in a difficult way. And and so that that for me is the hardest part because I very much support our staff. Uh, I, I very much want us to all feel like we're part of a work family. And that becomes difficult when we're involved in those negotiations um, with the collective bargaining units um, of, of our employees, of our family members. Sure. So that's that's that that for me is probably the most challenging because it can be disappointing at time because I, I don't I don't want our employees to feel like we're on the opposite sides of the table. I want right. us sitting on the same side of the table. Right. Now that's good. And I think as to have a healthy city, you, you have to have well with any organization, a healthy workforce. You've got to have strong morale. You've got to have uh, just a good culture. And I and I think we work toward that as a city and our city management team. And so I can see where those labor negotiations at times, it's, it's just difficult. It's a difficult part of the process. So um, yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I talked a little bit earlier before you came in uh, for this interview about the, the budget session we had on Tuesday and just some of the changes. I, I didn't really go into a lot of the details about the changes. I wanted you to talk about just your view on that and some of the changes you've made as city manager in that process. Well, I appreciate that question, um, and I was and I was very happy to make uh, some of the changes. And really, the changes um, spawned from conversations that I have heard uh, of of the city commissioners uh, in the past, and even our our currently uh, seated city commissioners. When when I heard about you know some of the feeling that the budget is already prepared for the most part by the time it gets to the city commission, and then the city commission feels like they're they're input into that process happens at the very end when there's there's not a lot of flexibility um, in in where we're going to you know budget our our funds and so I wanted to I wanted to change the the direction of that and so what we did on Monday was rather than going to the departments and hearing uh, all of the department needs and, and requests for the upcoming budget, we have now delayed that, and, and we've let the city commission have the first say in the initiatives that uh, the city commission wants to see funded in this upcoming budget. Now, as I explained through the process, there's certainly going to have to be a balancing of that. We are going to have operational needs, and some of those needs may cut into areas of you right. know the funding for some of the initiatives that we heard about from the commission. So we're going to have to balance that out. But I think it's important for the commission to have to have that that first voice because I'm very sensitive to the fact that our commissioners are our elected leaders, and so they are the voice of the people. And I want to hear the people's voice first, and then staff will do what we need to do to, to come back and work through the commission to, to balance um, the funding needs for both operational you know, needs and requirements and some of those initiatives that really, um, to me, are more aimed at the quality of life uh, for the community. I said earlier that we gave you all a list of 34 initiatives or items, and, and that's a lot. It's, it's certainly more than you can tackle in one budget cycle. And you described it as the process at times is messy. Dr. Collins used the word organic, but elaborate on that. Like what you know, some of the challenges just in this process that we saw on Tuesday? Yeah, it, it it is very difficult. Um, and, and I did use, I appreciate you remembering that. I, I did say messy, but I did a like uh, Dr. Collins, yeah, both are uh, true. I would, yeah, <laughs> term of organic, but but some of it 
it organically happened while we were in the process. Yeah. And I think a, a big part of that was, you know, we're, we're asking for the commission to talk about what their priorities are for funding, but we haven't told them what the size of their checkbook mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And so I think it was, it was messy in the sense that the commission, I don't know, had a, had a real sense, nor at this point the staff about, you know, what, what funds are going to be available sure. and how are we going to allocate those. So it really became a little bit more of a of a of a of a forward thinking kind of visionary uh, dream session in some regards, but also included some things that we know are are right in front of us, and we probably will need to accommodate in this upcoming budget. And so, just kind of working our way through that, and 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 so we weren't able to necessarily structure what those conversations were going to be on the agenda. So it was organic in the way that the commission led us into the areas yeah. that the commission had you know, the most interest in discussing. I liked it. I, I know at times we, we get off onto trails and things that maybe, again, we can't address in this budget cycle or even the next one, but it's, it's good discussion, things that you can't always get to in the course of a normal commission meeting. So I, I appreciate that opportunity to get us together and allow us to to share some of our big dreams and visions for the city. Well, and so, you know, uh, retreats or workshops, and I don't know that, you know, the public always recognizes the fact that that's really about the only opportunity that the commissioners get to collaborate right. because of the sunshine laws and because of the, you know, our our concern of, of never violating that. Yeah. Um, the commissioners don't have the opportunity to talk to one another. And so um, we get to see that when we have those workshops and those retreats. And, and, it is, and it is that opportunity for the commission to collaborate and for staff to hear that and, and, and work through that and let that guide us and, and give us the direction that, that I want us to receive from our elected policymakers who are, again, you know, the voice of the people. Well, I know September will be here before we know it. That's when the final budget has to be approved. And that may seem like it's months away, but we're just, <laughs> from your viewpoint, I would guess the clock is ticking and you realize, hey, summer's going to come and go and we'll be into that season before we know it. So it's, it's coming. It's, it's a quick process, yeah. um, even though, as you said, you think about September and it, and it seems a ways off, but, it, but it's certainly not. I mean, I will tell you, I had a, a, a meeting with all of the department heads this morning for us to go ahead and start having some discussions about, you know, the direction that we need to go and what the next steps need to be to try to continue, you know, to build this budget so that we can come back at that next meeting, which will be sometime in July with the commission to go through that balancing process process where if we're over allocated, you know, how do we make adjustments to accommodate as much as we can, but knowing that we don't have an open-ended checkbook. And, right. and so we have to stay, you know, within, um, within what we can afford. Sure. What do you see as some of our biggest challenges right now as a city, in, you know, short term or even over the next few years? I think managing growth mm-hmm. is is certainly you know one of the areas that is is exciting but challenging at the same time. Um, you know we are growing and 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 you know references are made uh, from time to time about having the cranes up in the downtown, mm-hmm. and so you know with the uh, with the summit office building that's being built there, you know on uh, on on Lake Mirror, uh, you know you you see that happening with all of the growth that we have seen happening out around you know the airport um, and. and 
and and and the stresses that that puts on a lot of the infrastructure. Um, managing that growth so that we maintain the infrastructure that we have to be adequate, while also expanding the infrastructure to accommodate you know the coming growth, um, is, is I think you know going to be one of the critical um, challenges but yet also opportunities for the future of, of Lakeland. We're a, we're a hot area right now uh, for growth, and, and I don't see that slowing uh, anytime soon. And so, you know, we, we just have to really be focused on, on those infrastructure needs so that we're ready, you know, when the next uh, large industry comes calling, right. uh, you know, to, to land uh, here in the city of Lakeland. And then, of course, you know, everything that connects to that. So as, as the businesses grow, um, you know, so do the, 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 so does the workforce. And so then providing, you know, the, the, uh, the adequate housing stock. Right. You know, for, for that number of people is a challenge and and uh, affordable housing is certainly, you know, a big part of that. You know, we've had some successes over the last couple of years. I think we've added in the neighborhood of about, you know, 300 uh, plus additional units that are considered, you know, affordable. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're opening up. There's a grand opening uh, of the Midtown Lofts. Right. And I think that's around another, you know, 90 units. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we continue to fill that growth and just providing for those needs that are the results of the growth or preparing ourselves in advance for those growth opportunities is, is a challenge. Um, and and I, I don't see that slowing, as I said, anytime soon. So it's, it's opportunistic um, and, and, uh, and exciting. I agree. I think a lot of the, the longer meetings we've had recently or the, the ones that have drawn more crowds or more interest, if you look at sort of the root of those is- issues, it centers around growth management and different zoning requests and, and how do we grow as a city. And I think that tension, at times it's good. To, to, we have to work through that. We have to figure out, okay, as a city, what do we, where are we going and how do we accommodate the growth that is coming here, We know, uh, as you said. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I think for sure it's a challenge that, that we'll see and, and we have some good discussions around that and, and um, you know, certainly keeps the job interesting from my vantage point as well. Uh, the last theme, Sean, that I, I want to talk about is accessibility and, and making our local government uh, easy to access, easy for people to understand. And I know I've heard you say several times that you want people to, to have a, a positive, not just a positive, but a, a really uh, a good interaction with the city, with City Hall, which whichever city department someone is interacting with. And you when you hear things like there's a bureaucracy at City Hall that bothers you, that perception. And so, um, and, and I know you personally are always, I, I appreciate this, oftentimes we'll get questions from residents or citizens when we're out in the community and we'll send it to you and I'll say, I don't, I don't know the details, but here's the city manager and let me connect you with him and you'll pick up the phone. You'll call somebody, you'll email them. You, you have made yourself and your team accessible. And I think that's a big part of the culture we're trying to build, but anything on that, how, you know, what are we doing to, to make, uh, you know, our local government accessible to the residents we serve? I think a couple of things, uh, certainly, you know, as transparent as we can be, uh, you know, adds to um, a, a better interaction from the public, from our citizens, from our customers, and and their interactions, you know, with um, with the the city organization. You know, we we want to be transparent. We we strive to be transparent, and we continue to make you know incremental uh, changes for improvement in in that area. And and then you know the other thing that I would say is is 
I'll use a term that we used earlier. You know, it, it can be messy at times, um, especially because it, it can be so complex. So, you know, staying with kind of the discussion about growth and about development, you know, it engineers make a make a lot of, of money, you know, for a reason because it, it's difficult, you know, work that they do. And um, and so it's not easy for the layperson, you know, at times to to understand what all is behind, you know, the the process of 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 pulling a building permit. And as much as we would love to have this this checklist that we could hand to everybody, the reality is no two projects are alike. They're they're all unique and they're all different and they all have, you know, various challenges that are that are differing from one another. And and so it, it's it just working through, you know, all of those differences at times can 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 be, you know, a little bit messy. So, you know, I, I don't think that there's a sil- silver bullet. I don't think there's there's one thing that can be done, you know, to make that a, a, an easier interaction. Um, you know, we want to get to yes, and and we hear that, you know, let let's get to yes more often. But at the same time, you know, being part of government means that we're also regulatory, and so we can't always get to yes as much as we might like to. So where we can we can still though work to serve our public is 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 instead of it just being no, you know, what are some alternatives that we might can suggest? that may not get the applicant, you know, exactly where they want to be, but but might at least get them something that's close to where they want to be and, and is accessible, um, or I'm sorry, is acceptable. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, so we, we continue to look for those incremental changes to, to try to offer that customer service that is that serves the public the way that they want to be served while also still having, you know, some of the difficulties that comes along with some of the regulatory, you know, requirements of, of government. Sure. Yeah. Just the nature of government, as you said, that's, um, yeah, I really appreciate it, Sean. Anything else you want to share? Uh, I will have you back on this podcast for sure. So we don't have to cover everything today, but anything else that's just on your mind that you, you want to share to our Lakeland residents? Um, you know, just, I, I, I just can't, uh, tell you how, uh, 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 happy I am and, and proud I am to serve as the a city manager for Lakeland. As I kind of opened up with some of my comments, I, I I just have a heart for Lakeland. I have a heart for Polk County. Um, you know, I did I did I did serve eight years in the Marine Corps and traveled the world. And and even though I saw some really neat places, I always knew I wanted to come back home, and I wanted to come back home for a reason. And so I want the next generations to feel the same way. You know, as our uh, children, you know, grow up in the community and and go to college. I don't I don't want to see them, you know, want to to, to get out and, and move away. You know, I, I want to I want us to have a, a community that is um, that is one of the best. And so that we retain, you know, our, our talent and uh, and our friends and families, you know, right here in, in Lakeland. And so uh, it, it's just it, it means a great deal to me to be able to serve and and serve a, a, a great commission. Again, you know, the voice of the people with a with a staff that, as I said earlier, I would I would put up against anyone. Um, you know, so we we will continue to have our challenges. Um, we will continue to be open and accessible, and we will continue to make incremental changes. You know, to serve the the public uh, to the best that we can. Well, we appreciate your service to our city, Sean, and thanks for coming in. Uh-
on the podcast today. To everyone out there, I really appreciate you tuning in to A View from City Hall. I'll be back again after our next commission meeting, which I think is May 3rd. It's that we're off for the rest. I say off. We still have things going on in meetings, but we don't have another commission meeting until May. So I'll be back again after that meeting. You can find this podcast at chadmcleod.com. You can email me, chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net. If you have any questions or just want to chat about different issues, always love hearing from presidents. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you find your podcast. I'll see you back again here soon.